Hey, this is Oscar Nunez, and you're listening to That's What She Said. That's What She Said, episode 82, Double Date. Wow, that is really hard. You really think you can go all day long? Well, you always left me satisfied and smiling. Ugh. That's what she said. <laughs> Suicide doors on my 57 Chevy. Roll around town like a hero. I got you on my mind. Just like all the time. Pedal down, nowhere to go. And welcome to episode 82 of That's What She Said, a podcast about the Emmy Award-winning NBC show, The Office. As always, I'm your human resources coordinator, Matt Summer. And this week, we're going to be taking an in-depth and spoiler-filled look at the ninth episode of season six, entitled Double Date, which originally aired Thursday, November 5th, 2009. They say it's your birthday. We're gonna have a good time. When Michael works his magic for Helene's birthday... Skeptical Pam begins to see the light. But will Michael be down with robbing the grave once he finds out his girlfriend's true age? Meanwhile, Dwight steps up his plan to take down Jim, but Andy Bernard's frightening level of politeness seems like it might clear the deal. One thing's for sure. I'm getting concerned that you don't seem to understand what's going to happen. Do you? Lots to discuss, lots to talk about. Let's head on over to the water cooler. It's a real shame, because studies have shown that more information gets passed through water cooler gossip than through official memos, which puts me at a disadvantage, because I bring my own water to work. Why did you do this? I didn't do it. Oh, the water cooler was brought over here for maintenance. So what do you guys hear? What's the scuttlebutt? And joining me at the water cooler again this week is our dear friend, our traveling salesman, the assistant to the regional manager, our old pal Kevin Crossman. Kevin, how you doing this week? I'm doing great, and tonight, special time, I'm going to take a page out of that summer book of niceness for the <laughs> listeners tonight. Well, Kevin, I'm very curious to hear what you thought of this week's episode, Double Date, because as you know, you and I do have very different tastes, and you happen to like lame things. I think it's a <laughs> generational sort of a gap between us, so we're going to have to see how this plays out here. So here we go, uh, a couple, you know, third week in a row sense i think we sort of had kind of that turnaround in quality uh with the lover and we you know we kind of liked that episode last week and very kind of low-key feeling and i think again we got a very similar feel this week a lot of kind of i hate to say a return to form but it's i mean again it's sort of that typical thing where we had kind of you know a real awkward situation uh at the restaurant we had some good michael stuff in there and he doesn't come across as a good guy Although, as we kind of talked about before, he's not really a bad guy, and the stuff that he brings up is actually very valid, but just maybe really a master of bad timing, perhaps. Yeah, and I really did like this episode. I warmed a little bit on the repeat viewings this time, so a good, solid episode. And I really liked also the Dwight and Andy stuff a lot. (laughs) And it's a continuation of this whole Dwight trying to get revenge on Jim, uh, I liked how they did use the cold open and the show tag at the end um, as part of the storyline because they were kind of funny just on their own, but better as part of the continuity. <laughs> and a really good highlight here with Andy Bernard. Although, I have to say, they left a really good Andy speech on the cutting room floor in the deleted scene. That Oh, man, I really wish they could have put that in there because <laughs> it was a really great moment for him. My, I guess my only complaint 
is that they really underutilized Jim in the cut for the episode. Uh, Jim really didn't do much except nod and make (laughs) faces to Pam or Michael or the camera. And there was a good moment in the deleted scene, again, where he took a little bit more active participation in getting Michael to shut up during the breakup scene. So it's too bad that that wasn't in there because, again, we've been really talking a lot about how Jim's kind of been a wimp this season, and it would have been nice for him to have a little bit more of an active role there. Well, this is exactly what you said. I mean, we've been talking about Jim being very critical. We we're like we keep saying this, and this is like the third season, I think, that we've been saying, oh, this is the year he's going to man up. <laughs> when is this going to happen? We haven't seen it. We we still haven't seen it. He's still in this episode, as you said, basically a non-entity. He um, doesn't even help out Michael as far as talking to Pam and, and sort of trying to calm things down. It was a very funny scene, you know, and there's like, well, oh, I don't know. You know. I don't know if I can do it. It might take a week and, and that kind of stuff. And Michael is very earnest, you know, oh, come on, please, and everything else. And yet he still sits there and just steps back and doesn't really step in and doesn't really do anything. And, you know, oh, Pam's crazy. I don't know. I can't talk to her. It's, it's getting a little old. That's true. Pam is just such a – she's like the dynamic character uh, of the show, I think, the last two seasons. I mean, she's constantly doing something, and he's constantly just reacting. Even the one scene that he had a really highlight moment with, uh, Pam was trying to pull the prank to get out of the lunch, and he came over and kind of stifled it a little bit. You're right, it was a reaction to something she did as opposed to something he took proactive action on. <laughs> Although I guess that, that that sort of shutting her down there, I guess that does sort of qualify maybe for for taking a, a little bit of a stand. But let me go back and talk about the Dwight and Andy stuff, because I... I have kind of a dilemma here, Kevin, because I agree with you that it was very funny. I, I got a lot of chuckles out of that stuff and them going back and forth and, you know, oh, your jacket's all cattywampus in there, let me fix that for you. And all that stuff. But so On the one hand, it was funny and it made me smile and it made me laugh. On the other hand, very stupid. I mean, it's very stupid. It's very ridiculous of a plot line. The other day during The Lover, we were talking about uh, Dwight's seemingly childish plan to put the duck, the mallard, sorry, in Jim's office. And we, we thought, you know, wow, that was a really silly, stupid plan. And then they kind of turned it around on us and, and revealed that, yeah, Dwight was actually smarter than we thought. This plan of his was at the level of the mallard. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Like, he really thought that by getting bagels and saying, oh, you owe me one, that somehow everyone in the office was going to support him overthrowing Jim. It, it, a pretty ridiculous plot, like I said. However, I won't argue with the results. So it was very funny. Uh, anytime you get Ed Helms and, and Rain Wilson in there kind of <laughs> bouncing off each other, I think uh, you're in for some quality television on The Office. So agree. Good stuff there. Yeah, and the other highlight to me in this episode was, of course, the man we love to hate here on the podcast, Toby Flenderson. <laughs> Just an incredibly funny scene. Oh, you think he's going to be a typical Toby? Oh, Pam, you can't have a fight at work. But he just wanted to make sure it was off premises, <laughs> and then he taught her how to throw a punch. And the shots going back with Michael, and then you know you think it's over, and she says, "Well, you know what? Let me stand up and try that." It was so <laughs> funny with that scene built up. I just thought that was a classic encounter. Well, you're right, and the the one thing that's a little bit I'm not sure if I want to say it's kind of a theme I guess that we've seen before because we've had a lot of episodes like this where people want to punch Michael. Uh, we, of course, have the classic the fight 
Because if you even remember in that episode frame, Toby from last year, they had uh, Michael egging him on, you know, saying, come on, do it, do it. And then Ryan was in the background saying, yeah, come on, do it. Oh, you blew your chance. That was your one great chance. And so I guess here, here we go. Maybe we'll give, some, give the writers some credit. Maybe a little bit of continuity there with Toby stepping in and finally getting a little bit of his revenge. Uh, and it's kind of a twofer because he also helps his obsessive crush, Pam, and, exactly. uh, and and gets revenge on Michael at the same time. So perfect, perfect little scene right there. Now, the one thing I want to talk about, though, as far as why I think this episode kind of didn't work for me on Thursday is that I, I, I wish they would have had a talking head or I wish they would have put something in the episode because I didn't buy I didn't buy that Pam suddenly liked Michael and the mother relationship. Um, for three, four weeks, we've been getting that. I hate it. I hate it. I don't want it. Even in this episode, I don't want to go to it. I want to weasel out of it. Right. You know, kill me now. I can't believe this. You know, I have a whistle. I didn't blow the whistle, all this kind of stuff. So what I saw when I was watching this, what I saw, um, they kept flashing back to Jim and Pam's faces at the dinner. And I just kept, I kept feeling like, oh, well, they're just playing along. They're just egging them on. They're, they're happy. They're trying to get Michael to crash and burn. You know, they, they wanted it. And so it was a weird shift. I didn't buy the shift because, uh, you know, I'm rewatching it and listening to the dialogue. You're supposed to get out of that that, yes, some shift has occurred where suddenly Pam uh, and Jim, apparently both, are, are just rooting for this thing to work. And... I they're so sarcastic all the time that I can't even recognize when they're not being sarcastic, I guess, <laughs> in here. Because even some of those lines, you know, some of the things they say in relation to Michael's little scrapbook and stuff, like, oh, that's so wonderful, or Jim says, well, you really set the bar, Michael. Did you really think that he was saying that with a straight face? I can't imagine. Everything out of his mouth, I just assume is sarcastic. So it was really difficult for me to make that switch. Well, you know, I didn't quite get the same reaction you had, but certainly if you analyze that it was a little more foreshadowing on that could have gone a long way to making it more obvious and believable so that when things did turn, it was much more shocking. Uh, because, of course, if Pam really did turn and accepted Michael, then her reaction at the end of the episode is much more believable. Mm -hmm. uh, if she was just playing along, then she looks more bitchy, for lack right. of a better term. And that's why I got confused when I watched it the first time, is because I didn't buy the transformation. And so it didn't really work for me that she was that upset at the end, because you think, well, this is her greatest dream. This is exactly what she wanted, right? She wanted them to break up. She wanted Michael to get rid of, get rid of her mom. Um, so you'd almost think that she might be happy. And the thing that's so weird about it is that the way that Jenna Fisher played it, uh, she almost looks like a zombie. I mean, she's just walking around. She has no energy. She has these really, like, glistening eyes. Like, she's just on the border of crying. Um, it seems like maybe she has eye makeup rubbed off. And uh, it, it, it's the, just the way that she acts and delivers that those lines in that scene in Michael's office at the end. It, it seemed like someone that was very traumatized. And I... This was just way too quick, uh, one afternoon, from going to I hate him with my mom to being so traumatized that she wants to punch him in the face. Yeah, I, I didn't think that that really worked as well either. I think it was it did seem a bit forced, and I think the only natural scene with her was when she got Michael out of the bar and called him a weirdo. So Yeah, that was a great I scene. Know, I, as, much, as much as I have praised Jenna Fisher, 
uh, this season especially, I can't say that this is my, the standout episode for me, which is too bad in a way because it's really kind of set up for her to be her Emmy submission this year. <laughs> yeah, that, that maybe that's why the super over emoting takes <laughs> takes place at the end. There, you might be you might be correct. Well, a couple of other things that maybe we want to get into because we're not going to talk about it in the clips yet again. Uh, one more wacky Ryan plot line this episode. You want to talk about that at all? Yeah, he's what he's, he's talking up Aaron. And he has this book of phot- photographs where he sees beauty and unusual objects, and then he f- keeps slipping through it. And there's a shot of Kelly in there, topless, back at the back at her <laughs> desk. And then he and then he very skeezily asks Aaron if she's ever posed and <laughs> if she'd be interested. And it's God, that was just straight out of the you know. What was it like that '70s uh, film with George C. Scott, where his daughter gets uh, <laughs> ensnared in the sex trade or something? It was well, straight out of that. <laughs> so again, but, one more weird douchey thing for Ryan every week. Well, and the funny thing was, is that the picture that they showed in the episode it said filing cabinet one of three, and that one they had to blur because her boobs were facing the camera. But then the shot that was on this uh, faux website was uh, from the side, so you didn't yeah, have to blur it. Yeah, I know. So. That was kind of lame, actually. I went there to check it out, and it's <laughs> not even the same shot. Well, uh, the thing that's kind of, yeah, as you mentioned, there's a little blog page that he set up, supposedly. It's like a thousand and one words, because picture is worth a thousand words, but he wanted to go a little bit more beyond that. <laughs> so, uh, a little bit deeper, and I, I think it's funny as far as this comment goes, the picture of Kelly is called Girl Working, and he has a little comment there, it says, explicit, indecent, erotic, or commentary about the way in which women are treated in the workplace. Here's a woman, hard at work, pulled herself up from the by the bootstraps despite her ethnic heritage, but all you see is that she's topless. It's sad, but the saddest part is that the woman was willing to pose for this photograph without a single question as to the artist's intent. <laughs> what happened to integrity? So... That is wonderful. <laughs> Good old classic Kelly. Uh, flashing people in the back annex. Well, one more thing before we start. I do want to say that we kind of talked about this, that um, you know, I've always been a big Michael fan, and while he has bad timing in this episode, um, a lot of the stuff that we, you know, we say is, is very valid reasons for this, and I didn't really even think about this. And uh, there, He mentions it in the deleted scenes, and I had to actually go check on IMDb to see when Steve Carell was born, so he um, uh, he says 46, so I don't know, Michael Scott, maybe he's 45 or something, Steve Carell is 47 himself, so about, you know, about 10 years, I guess, difference in there, and, uh, and I suppose Michael, it's always different for the man, but uh, yeah. know, he's, he's no spring chicken himself here, and even Holly, you know, she's pushing 40, so I don't think that's a, you know, <laughs> not, not maybe a massive Massive difference in uh, in ages between them. You're right. It is different for a man, though. It is not at all unreasonable to see look at Michael as a character and say he still wants to have kids and not really bat an eye about, well, isn't he getting a little old? You don't even <laughs> think about that. But obviously, if he wants to start a family, Helene is not uh, the way uh, for that to happen, and at least naturally, anyway. Uh, I suppose so, she's she's past that, and this woman has to be the most boring, dull fifty-eight-year-old I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> oh, I'm done with plane traveling. I'm not going anywhere for the rest of my life. I don't know. It was maybe a little over the top, a little unbelievable, but it helped to hit the point home. And actually, maybe if they would have sat down and discussed it, 
<laughs> I like rational human beings. Maybe they could have come to some kind of compromise. You don't think about the fact that this woman is a, a, a soon-to-be grandma when you're waking up in bed with her and having aphrodisiac breakfasts and all kinds of things. But then when they start having a discussion with the in-laws about whether she wants to be called grandma or Mima or whatever, <laughs> now the realization comes. And that was, a, that was a really ineffective scene because it played naturally with Jim and Pam there. Yeah. And my only... As much as I, obviously Michael, you know, was kind of an ass this episode. I, I don't know. I, I think we didn't see enough comments on the blog page about Helene's behavior here. I, as you mentioned, she really came off as the "I don't want to do anything except have an orgasm" um, <laughs> kind of mode. And when your boyfriend says, "I'd love to go to Italy," and you've gone before, but you say, "I don't want to go on a plane ride anymore." Yeah. I'm done with that stuff. I mean, <laughs> what the hell? What do you expect? It would have been nice if she had said it made some sort of apology or. I don't know, something that said, all right, hey, you know what, maybe I shouldn't have uh, shut down any possible avenue for you to do anything but, you know, come <laughs> home at the end of the day and service me. <laughs> oh, man, now that's putting a weird picture in my head. Um, poor Michael and uh, and poor Helene, I guess. One thing that's kind of funny about that, though, is, you know, we, we talked before, especially during the wedding episode, how we weren't really that thrilled with the actress taking over um, as mm -hmm. Pam's mom because she seemed so bitter and cranky and bitchy and everything in the wedding scene. I, I think that she really came off a lot nicer. Nicer, but not nice. I, see, that's the thing. I don't think that what she said was really mean or anything. It seemed more like cluelessness that she maybe didn't really get what he was talking about, that he was getting really kind of, <laughs> you know, frustrated by things and the way they were playing out. So, ah, in any case, well, are, are we happy that this whole plot line seems to have now tanked after these short three episodes? Because, you know, we always kind of think, uh, oh, are they going to drag this out? Are they going to keep talking about this? And they usually really burn through these sort of things pretty fast. So are you, are you glad that this is over with? The three or four episode story arc is working well for me. Yes. That's, <laughs> right. that's as good. Well, the thing is now, but this is the problem now. Ever since, now that they've set Holly up as this unreachable, perfect woman of his, uh, I mean, that's always going to be in the background. I mean, so what's next? Are we going to uh, get another woman, another romance with Michael this season? Or is he just going to be stag for the rest of the season or the series? Or I don't know. I'm, I'm really kind of concerned confused as far as what they're going to do, but I guess we'll see. All right, let's talk about the credits. Um, not a whole lot of experience. Uh, the episode is written by Charlie Grandy, who is a new hire for Season 5, son of Gopher from The Love Boat, if you recall. Uh, he's written three episodes, including Double Date here, Broke, and Crime Aid, which, looking at that list, obviously we, we really liked Broke, and I got a kick out of Crime Aid, so... Doing pretty well so far for three episodes, not bad. He'll get a pass for life for me for broke. <laughs> All right, and the episode was directed by Seth Gordon, who is actually a office virgin here, directing his first episode here with Double Date. He's also directed two episodes of Parks and Recreation, and Kevin directed one of my favorite documentaries of the last few years, King of Kong. King of Kong movie is an excellent movie, especially if you grew up in the 80s like I did with video games. <laughs> uh, I cannot recommend that movie high enough. And he directed um, Four Christmases as well. And uh, the guy, Steve Wiebe, who was in King of Kong, had a little cameo in that movie, so it's <laughs> kind of fun. Well, I tell you what, I'd like to see a confrontation with Dwight Schrute versus Billy Mitchell. Uh, well, let's go ahead and then dive in to the Michael plot line here. All right, so as we start off here, you know, basically we have the build-ups in the last few weeks. 
Pam, very unhappy. We talked about this in the in the last preview of this episode. You know, like kind of like dinner party, Jim and Pam out of excuses. They have to go out. And, you know, it's Pam's mom's birthday, so it's a little bit different. She feels a little bit compelled to go along here, even though she doesn't really want to. And, um, you know, I'll just let Pam and Michael explain their various positions. Michael's been trying to get Jim and me to hang out ever since he started dating my mom. I don't know. I really hoped this thing would just die out. But today he's planning a birthday lunch for my mom, and we have to go. No way out. No way out. Birthday lunch. Birthday lunch. There's no better medicine than birthday lunch. It'll cure all of your, gee, I don't know if Michael should be dating my mother, and fixes all occurrences of, I don't really see them together. So <laughs> open wide, Pam, and take a big old spoonful of birthday lunch medicine. Take with food. So I think it's kind of interesting here that Michael is setting this up as you know, he's not really saying anything about he's doing it for his girlfriend. It seems more like he's doing this whole thing to try to win Pam over, to show her what a great guy that he is. And we remember, you know, from the last time he talked that speech about how he's that erotic and, and, and sensual and nice guy and everything here. So here he's really laying it on thick with, uh, with the birthday lunch. And they go to the fancy restaurant. Uh, Michael has the table all decorated up. And I, <laughs> um, and I, as on future viewings, and I talked about that at first, how I was a little confused about whether Pam or Jim were really serious about what they were saying here. There's some funny stuff in there. that I, I love that when they come in and, and uh, <laughs> she's like, oh, Michael, did you do all this? And he's like, well, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It, let's just say it's from all of us. It's like, well, you know, thank you all. He's like, well, you know, it really was just me by myself. <laughs> so he's taking the credit there and, uh, and you know, and really really kind of enjoying being this big shot, being this nice boyfriend. Earlier they had the um, some little dialogue about how he had given uh, Helene a necklace and was just really romantic, you know, had, had put it around her neck while she was asleep and she woke up and we get a little Kelly ooing and eyeing uh, as but well. But not really. Well, uh, may, I don't know. It seemed pretty sincere to me anyway. Um, so she, you know, seemed like Mike was really taking good care of her, really treating her, treating her right. Of course, I guess you could sit there and think, well, everything's going so right, of course, Something has to go wrong, and what goes wrong is nothing other than a little birthday math. So, Mom, which birthday are we celebrating this year? Sticking with 49. 49 again? That's nine years in a row. This is now our longest family tradition. That's funny. You're 54 years old. Uh, No, I'm 58. You're 58 years old? Uh Uh-huh. Congratulations. Mom, have you decided what you want to be called? I mean, I like Nana. But I also like the classic grandma. Please be grandma. I want you to be grandma. Oh, Michael, what do you think? Grandma? That? Yay, grandma. The only time you should care about a woman's age is if she is too young for you. And I am not robbing the cradle. If anything, I am robbing the grave. (laughs) So it's a classic line, although I almost feel like I've heard that somewhere before. I'm not sure where, but still. Yeah. uh, Classic line, and I, I like how the scene builds with that revelation. And I guess believable, Kevin, or not believable that you wouldn't know how old your girlfriend is? Well, if you've been only dating for a few weeks, I guess that's not completely unbelievable. 
Although, been wouldn't have been nice if Michael had sort of done the math in his head a little bit. But again, <laughs> even when he had a pad of paper, it didn't quite work out. So maybe he thought she was a lot younger. Yeah. You know, she's only 48. She's only a couple years older than me, even though Pam is only 10 years younger than me. Um, okay. <laughs> you yeah. know, one of the other things, one of the other scenes that I thought was uh, bad for mom in that case was that scene where they're driving to the the uh, lunch and the mom starts giving Pam advice on how to sell better. <laughs> I thought that that was way over the line. Again, that's another one where I think that her character didn't strike me as again very nice. Well, see, I don't know. I guess I just saw that as kind of mom behavior. And the, the sad thing is, is that Jim steps in to defend her and says, "Well, Pam's sales are are just fine." But then later on, she says that she has the worst sales of anybody in the branch. So. I don't know. Maybe she should have listened <laughs> to Mom and Michael's advice. You're right, though. That was a funny little bit there. I liked how they played that out where Michael then says, no, 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 let's, let's not talk about business. This is a family lunch. And then you right. can see both both Jim and Pam, like, put their heads down <laughs> at the same time. So e- even worse, perhaps, of a switch. Yeah, exactly. All right, so there we go. Michael has kind of a slow build where he slowly, you know, starts to realize this. He's 58. As you said, all this talk about grandma or nana, he's not ready for that. And I guess you could argue, well, he's pretty happy and he seems pretty content in the relationship. So, uh, you know, is he stupid? Is he blowing things? Well, he slowly just starts to make his mind up that he's really making a mistake and he tries, he kind of throws out those little things in the conversation like, oh, what do you think about running a triathlon? <laughs> I really want to do that someday. And she's, no, I don't want to do that. I have no you know, interest. And maybe when I was younger and, uh, you know, no, I would never want to go snowboarding or bungee jumping or any of that stuff. And like you talked about before, um, no, I don't want to go to Italy anymore. I, I've never met a retired person that doesn't want to travel to Europe, so I don't know what's up with that. Exactly. But, but anyway, <laughs> but anyway, we've already hashed that to death. So there you go. I mean, he's very upset and very getting nothing but really bad news here. And so when he busts out, you know, he's got this really super fabulous present that he put together. He does the very best he can to just totally, totally undersell it and downplay it. What about your gift, Michael? Oh, no, no, no. It's stupid. You'd hate it. I hate it. I'm sure I won't. Yes, you will. Give me a scrapbook of our first memories by Michael Scary Scott from my girlfriend, Helene, on your birthday. That's just an <laughs> arbitrary title. Okay, here's a penny. What's that from? Penny for your thoughts. It was from the wishing well at the mall. You threw it in. I went back later, waited in, and I found it. <gasps> That's amazing. It's not amazing at all. It's sort of weird that I went and did that. And now your wish won't come true, so that blows. <laughs> really nice, Michael. Wow. I think it sucks. I think it's wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Well, that's because you and I have very different tastes, and you like lame things. It must, it's a generational sort of gap between us. Gosh, crap. Home run, Michael. You set the bar so high. That was a bunt. <laughs> So everything, I mean, he just totally downplays everything. I cut it out of the clip, but it's wrapped in this fancy wrapping paper that says love in a bunch of different languages. And he's, no, no, it doesn't mean anything. I didn't put any thought into it. It might as well have been toilet paper. You know, everything that he says is just totally downplaying. And, and there's like a little poem that's in there. He's like, no, no, I plagiarized that poem. And just everything to make it seem like he's a really bad, kind of creepy guy and it's a bad gift. And I love that line of dialogue there about how, you know, well, and plus now your wish won't come true. So that kind of blows. Yeah, that was a, it was a good scene. I built well, and I really did like that last line. It's a bunt. 
<laughs> just the way he delivered it. Very good job. Yeah. So, you know, when I listen to that right there, you can obviously hear Pam saying, oh, that's amazing. And uh, in Jim's line and stuff there, I, maybe I'm just so accustomed to them being always so sarcastic. But, it, you know, it took me a while to to actually buy into that, I think. But But let's just go on and accept what we have now here's the thing i love this part here and i guess if you want to say that michael was a dick this is probably the biggest dick move that he does um <laughs> he has that line i don't know after he gives that out you know they you mentioned he goes to the bar and then he comes back and it's time for cake and he has that line about i mean i want you to enjoy your piece of cake because i have some horrible news <laughs> and i don't want to ruin your cake so enjoy that. And then he busts out the line, oh, well, we can't date anymore. And then he he blames it. He lays it on Pam's feet and says, it's not fair to Pam. She's not happy. I can't do it. Um, and then Pam says, oh, no, 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 I'm happy. I don't care anymore. And he's like, wow, you've, you've really grown <laughs> as a person. Well, he says, oh, thank you, Pam. Yeah. Like, he's just so happy. He has his head in his hands. And he's just, well, I mean, it, does, does blaming this on Pam, is is that Michael's big dick move here? No, no. I mean, <laughs> breaking up in general is, is the dick move. Even if you, re- I mean, come on. Even if you realize it's not going to happen, you don't want to, like, give her a little birthday gift after after dinner, maybe? Well, come on. He, he gave her the cake. He had her eat the cake. He no, didn't want to ruin the cake. <laughs> a different kind of birthday cake. Oh, let's let's not go she, there. She, she I don't want to talk about morning. that deleted scene. <laughs> I don't want. Um, I don't want to talk about that. It, well, apparently Michael that morning when they had the fish sandwiches, it didn't work because she said she hasn't had an orgasm for years. So right, you know, Michael didn't get the job done, unfortunately. No. Well, let's go ahead and move on to the next clip. So after. He tries to blame it on Pam, and Pam says, no, 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 I I want you to go together. Well, he really finally then tells the truth. Helene, once again, you are a wonderful person, and you have lived a great life, and I envy it. And I want it someday, but just in the future. You need somebody who who understands your references. Who is Kafka-esque? I've never, I don't know him. There's another woman, and her name is Italy, and skydiving. And bungee jumping. Okay, so... And I want kids. And you, unfortunately, have already completed that part of your journey down there. Michael. It's not my decision. It's Mother Nature. And Mother has very strict rules about fertility. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got it. You know, actually, it's like a little little bit there, but actually it felt really true to life to me that everyone shuts up when the server comes to pour the glass of water. And this is what we have, of course, that huge delay between the fertit and the lati at right. the end. Um, and, and again, you know, he's very open and honest and finally comes comes clean and, and tells. And, of course, you think right there, he's like, you know, there's another woman. You think that he's going to say Holly because she's been mentioned uh, earlier in the episode as the love of his life that he thought he was going to grow mm-hmm. old with. But all the things that he wants, and, and she can't get that because her journey is done down there with that stuff. Yeah, no, a very uh, poor moment there. I, I kind of didn't like the waiter thing. I think it took time away from other things uh, that could have been put back in the episode, and it really wasn't that good of a joke. But, um, yeah, very awkward, very inappropriate. Everything we come to expect from Michael Scott. And uh, then we get a nice cutaway scene after the dinner where 
you know, when they were driving to the restaurant, of course, it was Michael and Helene in the front, Jim and Pam in the back. On the way home, it's uh, Jim and Michael in the front and Pam and Helene in the back. Um, yes. And Pam comforting her and her mother's just like, oh, what am I going to do? Oh, I'm old. Uh, you know, well, why don't you get some hobbies? <laughs> You know, Jim, no, shut up. And there's a bunch of other stuff, as we talked about in the deleted scenes, a pretty bigger scene about why am I involved in losers and I've never had an orgasm and all this kind of stuff. And we'll talk more about that as we as we get to it a little bit later. As you mentioned earlier, when they get back to the office, then Michael can't stand for things to be bad with Pam. He wants to try to win her back over to his side, doesn't want her to be angry with him anymore. And, uh, well, really, <laughs> I don't know, I guess tries to win her over using her pocketbook. I'm going to give you a raise, Pam. Why? Because of all the good work you've done. I have the lowest sales record of anyone here. No, no, it's not about numbers, Pam. It's about attitude. I have the worst attitude of any person here. Do you want the raise or what? Yeah, I'll take it. Okay, hey, Pam, Pam, with this raise there are strings attached. And the string is attached from my heart to your mean attitude. You're bribing me. No, 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 I am not, unless you want me to. Do you want me to? Because I will. I will bribe you. Come on, what do you want? What do you want? Do you want a million dollars? Do you want to hit me? you want me to get down on one knee and beg you? I I want to hit you. What? I want to hit you. I'll do that. (laughs) Okay, what? I don't... Are you kidding? No, are you kidding? Ye- no, I don't... I don't think I can hit you in the office. Okay. So um, we'll do it after work. Hmm? In the parking lot. In front of everyone. I'm going to hit you as hard as I can. That was kind of what I was talking about. It almost it, it, it felt like her emotional reaction to the situation was um, a little unwarranted based on what we'd seen earlier, but... Uh, it is what it is, and we almost then get a you know sort of a split down the middle of this. Almost feels like a a different episode because she's it's like three o'clock high. At the end of the day, I'm gonna I'm gonna punch you, and it's looming over Michael's head the whole time. Yeah, although he doesn't seem particularly worried about it even in that scene. So Michael doesn't really often see the downstream ramifications of his actions, and I think <laughs> this was an example. And so I, we'll get the next scene here with Ryan and Kelly right. more about that, but. It was interesting, Pam's reaction. You know, the 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 I have the worst attitude thing was good. We've heard a lot of people complaining about her this season, and so it was nice to sort of acknowledge that in a way. But she played it very neutral, and like you were saying, it was hard to get a read on what kind of exactly was going on in her head. Because you're right, shouldn't she be happy that they've broken up? Yeah, you could think Michael's a jerk, but. Hey, let's look on the bright side. He's not porking my mom anymore. Yeah, maybe with an additional talking head squeezed in there of her saying, like you just mentioned, something along those lines that, you know, I wasn't happy about this. I, I'm kind of happy they're broken up, but my mom's really hurt, so I don't know what to feel. It's still going to be much more of a divided sort of feel, but we don't get that. She's obviously supposed to be taken as being very upset, and maybe she really wasn't all that upset, but Michael, is his base attempt here to try to bribe her and, and, and once he throws that out there, maybe she's just calling his bluff. Maybe maybe that's kind of what it's all about more than her really being that upset, you know. Yeah. So anyway, you know, Michael kind of, he, he doesn't really take it very seriously. He's not really afraid of what's going to happen. He, he, he just sort of thinks, okay, well, she's going to punch me in the stomach and, um, and then I'll be okay. And again, if he, that goes all the way back to the fight 
because that's where Michael was talking about, you know, Dwight punched me in the stomach, and uh, and then Dwight <laughs> sucker punched him, and so that led to basically everything that, that, that took place afterwards. So uh, that's kind of what he thinks is going to happen, but alas, Ryan and Kelly really have, uh, they have a different story, and Michael maybe starts to get just uh, a little more worried. Hey, hi. Quick question. Yeah. Are you scared? Never. About what? A little. What are you talking about? We heard about the punch. What punch? Pam, she's going to punch the crap out of your face after work. I'm pretty sure we said slap. No, it's a punch, and Pam has that crazy pregnancy strength now. I'm getting concerned that you don't seem to understand what's going to happen. Do you? Uh, I'm good. Pam, can I talk to you for a second? Um, I heard about the hit. Just to be sure, it's all company property, right? Right. Yeah, okay. I think we should probably be okay. 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 And the, the, the power comes from a back foot, so it's it's all one motion through the body. Pow. Okay, wait, it's, you're saying it comes from the foot? Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And as you mentioned, of course, they have a visually framed <clears throat> gag of Michael in the background watching them practice. <laughs> So, yeah, you know, I guess the thing is that they could have played this where Michael keeps getting more and more scared or more and more freaked out as the episode builds, but he doesn't really play that way. He, you know, he's kind of concerned, but he's not really hiding or he's not running away. You know, he no. comes down there to face it, and maybe maybe he feels like, oh, she's really not going to go through it, that I can weasel my way out of it. He throws out there his his apology, I think, as like a deflector shield, hoping that that's going to be enough to uh, to protect him from what's coming next. But, you know, again, some funny stuff in there. I love that line at the beginning where they say, are you scared? And his first reaction, he says, never. And then he says, well, and then he says, uh, yes. And then he says, well, what are we talking about again? <laughs> right. So, you know, that's Michael in a nutshell. He's, he's always kind of scared all the time, but he doesn't really know why. <laughs> this was another really good use of Ryan, I think, especially teamed up there with Kelly. It's almost a scene you might have imagined maybe a, a season and a half ago, Daryl taking. Uh, but he he hasn't really been on the show much this past season and uh, wouldn't have anybody to kind of team up with in this tag team conversation. But I think that was a good way to use Ryan. I mean, it's almost old school Ryan, right? The yeah. Ryan who's grounded in reality a, person. a little bit. <laughs> But uh, anyway, it was good. And then, you know, obviously that Toby scene was just comedy gold. All right, fantastic. Well, that just leaves basically, like we said, the showdown. And, you know, there's some business. Everybody, of course, is out in the parking lot. Everybody wants to see Michael get punched. Um, we have some weird business there with Meredith talking about how he's not in the bathroom, but the seat is warm. <laughs> right. <laughs> so maybe we just missed him. I don't know. Um, and, and, and some more comedy stuff there between Oscar and Kevin. Uh, with Kevin saying, you know, oh, my money's on Pam. <laughs> and Oscar trying to explain to him how it's actually, you know, it's not a fight. <laughs> so it could not come out any other way. And Kevin being, you know, why can't you just support me for once? <laughs> uh, you know, we're, we're, we're building on that. It may, in this whole season, we're getting that sort of married couple kind of bickering vibe going back and forth between the two of them. So uh, I'm still enjoying that. Yeah, good stuff. All right. So here we go. The fight is on. Pam is there. Michael steps up to take his punishment. You ready? 
Yes. You have to keep your hands down. I know. Oh, God. Michael, you have to keep your hands down. Put right. your hands in your pocket. Okay. Pam, Pam. I'm really sorry. I'm sorry. What are you sorry for? So many things. I don't know. It's hard to choose. How about for dating my mom? Maybe that. And dumping her on her birthday? Yes. Okay, just don't ever date a member of my family again. For the record, your mom came on to me. <gasps> Holy crap. Are you okay? No. You're okay. Feel better? <laughs> no, you were right. Wait, why are you limping? I don't know. Let's get some raw meat on that face. I've got a chicken in the freezer upstairs. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, a lot of stuff in there. I... Michael could have maybe redeemed himself a little bit more if he would have actually known what to apologize for <laughs> rather than just not really knowing, acting like he doesn't know why he should be sorry, but just knowing yes. that knowing that apologizing might deflect the blow from his face. Uh, and, you know, I like this stuff in there, you know, as we talked about already, he kind of opens his mouth and then gets slapped and... Is you know, are you okay? And then you you think that maybe I thought that maybe the way he was doing it that he would have just kind of said, yeah, I'm okay, you know, okay, it's good. Uh, but no, he, no, <laughs> <laughs> ah, you're okay. <laughs> and there's stuff. Why are you limping? The stuff that the reaction from Phyllis was pretty funny too. Very <laughs> typical from her. Although you know, I have to say I'm a little disappointed with the writers. A chicken. Come on, shouldn't Dwight have something a little bit more exotic in the freezer than a chicken? <laughs> well, I suppose. I guess maybe the joke was that you don't really want to have raw chicken being <laughs> pushed face. on your okay. skin, so I don't know. That's true. But uh, <laughs> you think Dwight might know that as the safety monitor, but alas. Well, all that remains that... Well, hang on, Matt. Matt, we need to get our hankies out for this next clip. It's going to get a little dusty. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it is a little dusty, and this is actually pretty actually pretty hilarious. I thought this is uh, – it really is Michael in a nutshell. So it's perfect, perfect writing. Um, and Michael, you know, at the end of the episode, after he got slapped, he's kind of reflecting on uh, his future and, and, and where he sees himself. As I watched Pam's big, strong hand coming toward my face, I saw my entire life flash before my eyes. And guess what? I have four kids, and I have a hover car and a hover house, and my wife is a runner, and it shows, and Pam and Jim are my best friends, and our kids play together, and I am happy, and I am rich, and I never die. It doesn't sound like much, but it's enough for me. <laughs> it is enough for me. So of course the classic, ridiculous, over the top Michael Michael line, the the hover house, <laughs> and all of his fabulous wealth and, and and everything. So you know I guess you got you got to give the guy props for for knowing what he wants. Yeah, you're right. That was a perfect scene, and of course Steve Carell just perfect with the earnestness in that scene. It, very believable that. That he really was—I mean, I was picturing it. I was—I was getting into it. I was—I <laughs> was getting a little dusty, tearing up a little bit. It was—that was, that was yeah. a great scene. You see, Mike, uh, a 65, 70-year-old Michael with a gray receding hairline in a futuristic jumpsuit with his hover car. 
and his smiling family. It and is his a wife, who, who's a runner in his shows. Exactly. So, <laughs> well, good good luck, Michael. Uh, I know it's not you know it's not much, but it's it's enough for him. So, hopefully, he will find what he's looking for. Well, we already kind of hashed over the Dwight plotline earlier in our pre-show discussion, kind of talking about uh, we both enjoyed it. We both you know thought it was some funny stuff with Dwight and Andy and their interaction. Always gold. Uh, of course, very super ridiculous, I think, plotline, but saved by the quality of the jokes and just kind of the, the gags in the, in the interaction. So let's just go ahead and get started here. Dwight has, uh, after a few weeks of not really doing anything, hatched his next scheme to get back at Jim. Good morning, everybody. Who would like an authentic New York bagel? Hmm? Stanley? Wow. H&H. You went all the way to New York City to get us bagels? <laughs> oh, why? Is there a place closer that sells them? This is really nice, Dwight. Thanks. Thanks. Oh, don't mention it. You owe me one. <laughs> you all owe me one. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Dwight. Hungry? Bagel? <sighs> I don't mind if I do. Hey, I brought cheese, too. I'm taking one from my lady friend. Excellent. Brain food. Thank you very much. Okay. You owe me. Can a guy just buy some bagels for his friend so they'll owe him a favor which he can use to get someone fired who stole a co-manager position from him anymore? Jeez. When did everyone get so cynical? <laughs> no, I mean, this, I guess this is where the plan really comes to a ridiculous head. I mean, does he really think that getting someone a bagel is going to have them fire Jim? Is that his plan? It, I guess it is, but yeah, it's obviously very ridiculous. But the good thing about this is that you get the, then the payoff then at the end of the show where he actually tries to pull this based on one of these favors, and then we get to see the conclusion. So unlike even that situation with the mallard and the pen, where we didn't really get the payoff of what did he do with that information? Did he succeed in getting some information from Jim, or did he just hear Jim talk for eight hours? So we get at least a payoff in this episode, which is well, which is nice. If you want to say payoff, but I mean it's such a dumb thing. Like he thought that this was going to all of a sudden change anything. I, you know, I, I I wish that with this plot of Dwight here trying to get revenge, I wish that it would be like a season long thing, that it would always be kind of in the background, that he would mastermind a plot and actually just little by little build something towards this big climax where he might actually get a shot. I mean, this is so ridiculous that, of course, he's not going to do anything with this. And putting a frozen chicken on Michael's face, he thinks that's going to get him to fire, you know, fire Jim. It's just, ah, whatever. It's it's really ridiculous. Um, well, now, I, what I, you, think that you, right. I think you can have episodes like this that are much more central to this theme and other episodes where it's a comment here or a comment there, like we've had in a couple episodes in the past. Yeah. So I think I think it can go that way. It, you know, who knows what can happen? There's still plenty of episodes left in the season. Yeah, that's true. I just I I, I guess I don't want to see them keep doing these every other week. Like, oh, this week I'm you know going to try to take a picture of Jim in a compromising position, and then the next week, oh, oh this week I'm going to put a tracker in Jim's. I mean, I don't know. I just I don't want it to be an episodic little thing. I'd like to see it be you know a mastermind kind of Dwight scheme come together, but. Uh, uh, whatever. I guess we'll see what happens. So, I mean, there right. we go. Um, I mean, is it just me? I, I brought cheese for the bagels. He has like a baggie full of shredded cheese. Is that? 
Is that a strange thing? About. I don't know. Yeah, wrong kind of cheese. <laughs> well, uh, it was just so funny too. Michael calls that brain food. And of course, bagels are like the worst thing for your brain. <laughs> but yeah. so, but since since when does Dwight do something nice for everybody and they don't immediately become very suspicious? Exactly. Right. <laughs> there's another there's another flaw in the plan that uh, no one would possibly believe this so well whatever you know so oh, hey nice and of course i thought that was bizarre his little thing about how well stanley i got the pumpernickel bagel for you because you're black and so i got you the black bagel i mean is that the joke that they were trying to make there you know if that was the joke it didn't it went over my head well you'd think okay well does stanley like pumpernickel but the way he looked and like did the little frown i, I that was what i thought oh you know, he's i thought he was happy like oh my god he got me pumpernickel no no but, i don't know I, I that's what I, I thought it was kind of a lame race gag but i might be mistaken hmm. um all right, all right so let's move on now uh dwight gives the bagels and then this is where we get into kind of this war here between andy and dwight uh andy will not be out Polited. Oh, Dwight, I have a little surprise for you. Let me guess. You ate the bagel I gave you and loved it. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to return the favor. I was polishing my loafers and I happened to look over and noticed that your briefcase was a little worse for the wear. So, a little elbow grease and she's polished right up back to her former glory. You give me a gift, bam. Thank you, note. You invite me somewhere, pow! RSVP. You do me a favor, wham! Favor returned. Do not test my politeness. Let me get that door fixed. Oh, there we go. Thank you very much. Yeah, and I got it for you. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Thanks. Hey, oh, hold on a second. Do not walk around with your jacket, uh, cattywampus. And that oh, be straight as an arrow. Thank you very much. <laughs> Andy is complicating things, but I'm not worried. This will only up my game. <laughs> Uh, so there we go. A little bit of that business. Then they keep going back and forth. They keep, keep trying to outdo each other. Because, of course, if Dwight has his favor returned, then he has no leverage. So he has to try to get one up on Andy. And so we have this hilarious little back and forth escalating war there. And I love that line that Ed Helms does. You know, wham, you invite me somewhere? Bam. <laughs> I'm back. So that was some great stuff. And then his, I love that line at the beginning where he's like, I got something for you. Oh, let me guess. You hate the bagel and you loved it. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> it was like super kind of fruity. I don't know. It was great a, line. Really good delivery by Ed Helms in there. And it, the one thing I did like about that scene is, even though it went on maybe a little bit too long there, it was really nice to see the reaction shots from the other people in the office like, hey, what the hell's going on? Because otherwise it might have, been, you know, I think that that grounded it a little bit. All right. Well, Andy uh, will not be outdone by Dwight. And so he, you know, Dwight brings in the bagels. He's got to bring in his own lunch. What's going on in here? Andy bought lunch. Oh, no. Really? Yep. Yep. Took a page right out of the old shrewd book of niceness. There's no book. There's only a survival guide. You bought breakfast for everyone, so I got lunch for everyone. Okay, well, allow me. You know what? Gosh, these tacos are awfully complicated to make. I will make everyone's tacos. Wait, I, I'm going to do this. Hey, 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 relax. I got it covered. Oh, why no, 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 I insist. 
Okay, Dwight, this is ridiculous. Don't worry about it. You can just owe me. Uh, so there we go. And we have, of course, a deleted scene that leads into Kevin's fear of eating hard shell tacos. <laughs> <laughs> and he's so psyched that Dwight's going to make them for him. So, uh, yeah. So some, you know, again, escalation there between the two, uh, taken to ridiculous levels. Uh, Dwight just has to end off being the one who has the favor owed. Um, well, <laughs> and here's where it's, it's, I think it's. It's one of those things where you keep seeing it often enough. Maybe people start to think about it subconsciously. I think that's his plan there. And, and that scene, that the 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 silent sight gag with Angela coming in and seeing the tacos and sort of making a little barfing face. I was just rolling with that. Face. Well, yeah, I mean that fits with her character. Of course, she doesn't. She generally want the vegetarian food. Doesn't like those ethnic kind of dishes. So yeah, <laughs> tacos are so ethnic. They're too spicy. <laughs> <laughs> for her. So, yeah, that was some good stuff in there. And everybody, of course, very, very excited by free food, as uh, as everyone is at a workplace. I know that in our workplace, any free food is uh, it's the ticket to our hearts. All right, so here's kind of the capper then where this all sort of hits the fan. Um, and we'll see this in the deleted scene, actually, how this comes to be. But uh, Andy, Andy just cannot be outdone. He won't let Dwight win. Um, and so he basically negates all of the, you know, owed favors in one fell swoop. What's going on? Stupid thing wedged up there. No one in this office will help me. <laughs> what if Dwight dies and I still owe him something? That is a recipe for a ghost. Oh, yeah. You're going to owe me big time. It's like a little envelope. There yep. you go. Got it. To Dwight. Starbucks gift card. Surprise! <laughs> it's for everybody. $15 value. Damn it. I am no closer to taking Jim down. Ah, oh, what a waste of a day. I could have grown poison mushrooms that would be this high by now. They're mushrooms. I don't get that high. So <laughs> Dwight Stymied, I, I would have rather seen him grow the poison mushrooms, I think. But still, uh, as ridiculous <laughs> as this plot was, very, very enjoyable. And really a great performance by Ed Helms there. That surprise line and the way he... <laughs> faked him out there just great and it's a recipe for a ghost i gotta say that is for sure <laughs> yeah. uh all right well one more little kind of uh this is the, the after the commercial bumper at the end of the episode michael and dwight uh, commiserating in the office with the frozen chicken pressed to michael's face and uh dwight makes one last desperate move good ah, good just keep it on there for another good. five minutes Cold let the Dwight. swelling go down oh thank you thanks i owe you one dwight Fire Jim. No. I'm cashing in the favor. Fire him. What are you doing? Do it. Promote me. Try managers. Forget that. Can I have an office? No. You know what? You can keep your stupid favor. It's worthless. And this is my dinner on your face. I'm keeping it. Oh, that feels better. So, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> <laughs> your favor is worthless, Kevin. Oh, man. It was a great Dwight scene there. Really loved it. All right, let's go ahead and, and uh, we've been talking about the deleted scenes. A lot of good stuff this week as far as what could have been kept or what should have been cut out or, you know, should this stuff have been included. It's one of those uh, mysteries I guess we'll never have the answer to. But take a listen and see what you think. Good, ah. good. Just keep it. Ticket stubs. It's a lot of happens, but I threw mine away. Yeah, I threw mine away too. I went back yesterday and Dwight and I saw it and I made him give me his ticket stub. 
You did all that just to get the ticket stubbed? Mm, no. I wanted to see it again. Dwight's my friend. He wanted to see it. So. Sure. Being with Helene is great, but in a way it would mean sort of closing the book on a big, big chapter of my life, specifically the chapter titled Age 46 to 58. It's like you don't buy a Mad Libs book with everything already written in it. You are going to find somebody so quickly with your killer bod and your wisdom. God! Ow! Somebody kicked. Did you guys get kicked? Nope. I kicked you. Stop. What is it about me that makes me choose these loser guys? I don't know if I'd say you want to stay there. I'm totally choosing Do you know how long it's been? since I've had an orgasm. Years. <laughs> she told me she doesn't like them. These tacos are awfully complicated to make. I will make everyone's tacos. Awesome. This is great. Andy got us tacos. The only problem is, whenever I try to make a taco... I get too excited, and I crush it. <laughs> Primero taco. Thank you. <laughs> hey, you still owe me. Andy is complicating things, but I'm not worried. This will up my game. No man is at their best when they're fighting against no one. My great-grandfather was a boxer, but he was so light, they had to create a special weight class for him called balsa weight. For 20 years, no one challenged him. On the 21st year, he was challenged by a rooster, but he no longer had the skills. Some say he threw the fight. <laughs> hey, everyone, can I have your attention for a second? <laughs> Dwight wakes up every morning at 4 a.m. and chases a mongoose around a beet pasture. That's how he works out, okay? He's not like the rest of us. But today, he's really trying, and I'm touched by it, frankly, because it wasn't that long ago that Andy Bernard had a little hot streak, temper problem. I was a jerk, okay? I'll say it. And you know what got me through it? Mandatory anger management. No, Oscar. It was the kindness and gentle words of my anger management sponsor. Splitting hairs, Andy. You're splitting hairs, Oscar. <laughs> my point is, it was another person. And today, we have the opportunity to be Dwight's another person by getting him a gift. Well, why does Dwight get a gift? We all do nice things. I mean, I bring in muffins at least once a week. Those are leftover book group muffins. I could have thrown them away. Yeah, you should throw them away because they're <laughs> disgusting. Dwight is coming back. Just give me money. <laughs> so I'll give you a lot of good stuff in there, of course, the stuff you just said at the end with Andy's big speech, uh, and all the references, and like, <laughs> you know, you should throw them away. They're disgusting. Um, I love that line that Michael <laughs> says, though, earlier in that first clip about the Mad Libs. <laughs> you know, you don't buy a book of Mad Libs with the words already filled in. Yep, good stuff. I, you know, I I didn't even mention earlier, but did you notice in the uh, taco scene that Andy had written on the whiteboard "Bienanito" with an E A T underlined? 
<laughs> just, just funny. Just great Andy episode. Uh, all right. Well, but it's it's a it's a crime that that speech wasn't in the episode. Yeah, I suppose. I'm not sure. Really, like it was. Again, they keep kind of overwriting these episodes, and they've always done that. There's always been a lot of deleted scenes. Um, unfortunately, you know, both both plots are pretty. They could have been stronger, I guess. So, yeah, where are you gonna cut it from? I don't know, but still good stuff. Uh, any messages? Yeah, just stuff I have. Oh, and this is from corporate. How many times have I told you that there's a special filing cabinet for things from corporate? Yeah. Oh, the waste paper basket. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't uh, want to get it? You put it in the garbage can that was a special filing cabinet. Yeah, uh, that was a joke. Um, all right, well, before we get into the news, stop and uh, have a little word from one of our sponsors here this week. Um, remember, you can always help the show in several different ways. Um, you can go to the TWSS podcast website, click on the Amazon Associates link, Anything that you buy, anything that you get through that link will kick back a, a little percentage to the show. We're getting to you know, getting to that holiday time, so you're gonna do a lot of your holiday shopping online through Amazon. Why not think of your old buddies over here at That's What She Said? It definitely will help and uh, and add up. So anything at all. Um, our other main sponsor right now is of course Netflix. We've been talking about them before. You can sign up right now for a free two week trial at netflix.com slash TWSS. Plans start at $4.99 a month, over 100,000 titles to choose from, including classics to new releases to TV series. You can keep each movie as long as you want, no late fees ever, free shipping both ways, free delivery in about one business day, and you, of course, can cancel at any time. And if you cancel at any time during those 14 days, you will not be charged. Uh, and it will also give us a little referral fee. So, again, I know a lot of people are already signed up, and people, uh, you know, at this point in the game, uh, who isn't signed up for Netflix? I don't know. There's got to be some nice people out there, I know. Um, as a bonus, of course, the other thing is that you can get um, movies and TV shows through the Instant Watch feature uh, streamed to your laptop or your Xbox 360, and I have some good news. People with PlayStation 3 consoles, just last Friday, four days ago, they came out with the streaming disc for the PlayStation 3. Um, if you are a subscriber of Netflix, you can go and request that disc, and they will mail it out to you absolutely free. And so on either console now, you can enjoy that streaming on your TV, as well as through some newer TV models directly streamed through Netflix and some other Blu-ray players do that as well. So a lot of good stuff, and I gotta say, I, you know, I've been pretty bad. I, I I got the BBC series Life on Mars first disc, and I had it in my possession for like a month, and I never watched it, and I just finally sent it back. And uh, I've got Adventureland coming my way, so I'm uh, I'm looking forward to finally catching up catching up with something that I feel like I'm actually going to watch. Um, uh, I enjoyed Jesse Eisenberg in Zombieland, so hopefully I'll enjoy him in Adventureland. Well, you may not, but in uh -oh. any case, uh, <laughs> Netflix is, a, it, well, there's other parts of that movie that are pretty good, but uh, 
it, it, Netflix is a really good service, and like you mentioned, the Instant Watch, and we talked about earlier the King of Kong from the director, Seth Gordon. Uh, this is a story about a guy who got laid off, and he turns to the classic arcade game Donkey Kong for solace, and soon he gets his skills built up so he can challenge the world record holder. The guy's been holding the record for like 25 years, and there's a whole competition between these guys, and it, it's a really engaging documentary, and you can rent it on DVD, or you can get the Instant Watch King of Kong, in Netflix, a great, great option. And again, Netflix.com slash TWSS. Yeah, and I'll have to say about the King of Kong, too, even <clears throat> people that have no interest in games uh, end up getting into it. One of my friends was over here, and she was very bored at first, but by the end of the movie, she was right there hating Billy Mitchell, cheering <laughs> cheering Steve Weeby on through his quest to, uh, to take him down. So, great pick. All right, let's go ahead and talk about the news. Kevin, you sent this news item to me earlier this week. You want to go ahead and start with that? Well, you know, Matt, we're a little late starting the show this week because you had to uh, rearrange your schedule to make sure you got report cards out on time. You're always thinking about the kids, and <laughs> as we know, the office is always thinking about the kids as well. We had that very important and relevant social uh, suicide <laughs> the PSA discussion last week. Uh, well, apparently suicide prevention groups are now protesting the office. This is from the Huffington Post. Some suicide prevention groups aren't laughing at over a scene in the office where Steve Carell's character tries to scare young children by struggling in a hangman's noose. The American Foundation for Suicide Prevention and other mental health organizations say NBC and other entertainers should stop using suicide as a punchline. They worry that depiction of a, a method of suicide might encourage mentally ill people to take their own lives. <laughs> this is the funniest quote. Quote, we try not to be zealots about this, said Robert Akibia, the foundation's executive director, but this one kind of crossed the line. We're not trying to be censors or fall into the trap of wanting everything to be PC politically correct, but on the other hand, it's offensive to some people who have lost relatives to suicide by hanging. A, su a spokesman for NBC's entertainment division did not have an immediate comment. Oh, man. Well, so, here's me playing the devil's advocate because... Um, whenever you see stories like this, I know the first reaction is just to laugh and say, wow, they're stupid and how ridiculous. I mean, I can kind of see the point. I, I almost feel like a lot of these pro, you know, a lot of these groups are kind of damned if they do and damned if they don't. If they say anything, they look like uh, cranks and, uh, and they kind of invite mocking. Uh, however, yeah, you know, I suppose I haven't had that experience of if one of my relatives had hung themselves you know, maybe I wouldn't have laughed at Michael Scott flailing around with a, a dick-in-the-box <laughs> suit on. I, I don't know. So, you know, I, I understand where they're coming from, I guess. I'll just I'll leave it at that. Furball at the Skirball. Please join Kitten Rescue in celebrating 12 successful years of animal rescue in L.A. Hosted by Jenna Fisher, the Furball at the Skirball will feature celebrity guests Cocktails, hors d'oeuvres, dinner, live entertainment, a silent auction, raffle, and much more. All proceeds of the fundraiser will benefit Kitten Rescue Programs and the Kitten Rescue Sanctuary. We hope to see you there. And the link for that site, if you're interested in more information, is kittenrescue.org. And uh, I know I have two cats. I know you have at least one cat, Kevin. So go ahead and support the kittens. Yeah, and that uh, event is coming up in December, and uh, Jenna Fisher had a good blog post where she had some pictures of two stray kittens that they found at the set 
of the office, and they named them Dunder and Mifflin, and you could have adopted them this past weekend, and, you know, it would be kind of cool. So, yeah, good good cause there. Better than a bobblehead. All right, and last for the news, uh, more about Gru. The second trailer for Steve Carell's 2010 animated feature, Despicable Me, is now available and shows how Carell's character, Gru, is the protagonist of this film that features violent, slapstick physical comedy. Uh, it looks pretty funny. I thought it was much better than the original trailer. You can see more at thefratpack.com. Well, the original trailer basically just showed a bunch of monuments getting stolen or something, didn't it? Uh, or right. rubber being replaced by rubber fakes or something like that. Um, I mean, what is the deal? What What's the... What, does this well, trailer give more it, information? Yeah, he's the world's greatest supervillain, and then he's trying to break in someplace, and he can't. He keeps getting, like, punched and laser beams and all these things, and it turns out he's the world's number two supervillain because now here's the new number one supervillain. And so it's, it's sort of a Pink Panther-esque type of uh, trailer where he keeps trying to break into this thing and all these bad things happening to him and very <laughs> cartoonish. He gets blown up and all that kind of stuff. So it looked pretty funny, and it looks like his character is kind of the protagonist here. All right. Well, we'll check that out. Uh, when is that supposed to drop? July 2010. All right. Can't get enough of our brilliant insights? Well, you can follow Kevin and me on Twitter. All the kids are doing it these days. Twitter.com slash Summer Matt and Twitter.com slash Kevin Crossman. Those are our personal accounts. Uh, if you would like to follow just the That's What She Said feed, you can sign up at Twitter.com slash TWSS Podcast, and you can find out when we're recording, when the episodes are being posted, uh, little news and other items of information that Kevin deems appropriate to share with the <laughs> masses. So go ahead and check that out. Now, if you'd like to follow all the other office people on Twitter, uh, easiest thing to do is hit NBC.com slash The Office, and they have a kind of aggregate uh, feed right there on the front page. All right, let's talk about the next new episode coming on November 12th, Murder. Ooh. Michael's world is rocked by troubling rumors about Dunder Mifflin. He forces the office into a day of strange diversions, upsetting Jim and leading others to wonder if Michael has gone insane. Meanwhile, Andy finds that his chief obstacle in courting Aaron is his own awkwardness. So I have to admit that that, that plot description, it just totally baffles me. I, I, I have no idea what that could possibly mean. So um, very curious to find out. It looks like a different kind of episode. It's not a rehash, probably, <laughs> which is good. There are certain things a boss does not share with his employees. His salary, his bed, and I am not going to tell them that I'll be reading their emails. I gotta erase a lot of stuff. Just so you know, if you have any sensitive emails, they need to be deleted immediately. I know. A lot of stuff. All right, a few comments on episode 81 of That's What She Said that covered the episode Koi Pond. Uh, Diane wrote, another great podcast. I was laughing along with you with the Do Not Mock list. Halloween was on a Saturday this year, which could explain an elaborate party and more elaborate costumes. Have you noticed how happy and giggly Stanley is these last few episodes? Love to hear your feedback on that one. What do you think, Kevin? Stanley, a happier, perkier guy? Well, I think he's getting some from Cynthia, so yeah, that probably would explain it. <laughs> Good point. 
All right, Brian G. wrote, I was hoping you guys would touch on something that really made me mad during this episode. Apparently, the other company calls demanding $300 from Michael for killing one of the fish. No. If somebody falls into a pond in your company's lobby, you better be happy that they don't decide to sue you. You especially don't call demanding money for the fish. But, Kevin, then we'd never have point. the plot point revealed to the rest of the office. So. Oh, of course. <laughs> That's right. You can't sue when the plot point is in question. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, it's one of those things we talked about being zen with, uh, <laughs> with the plots. All right, well. Especially appropriate for the koi pond, right? Exactly. Let's get some feedback then on the double date episode. Kate wrote in uh, If the chat room was any indication, I'm definitely going to be in the minority. Decent episode with some good laughs, but I'm actually pretty disappointed after seeing Pam hit Michael. I understand why Pam would be upset about the situation, but was hitting Michael really necessary? What does this say about her character? I don't mean to sound like a public service announcement about violence, but after all the crazy things Michael has done, was his comment about Helene hitting on him first really that offensive? I understand that it may have been the straw that broke the camel's back, but still totally unnecessary. So I guess there we go. The opinion that we've been talking about Pam being likable or unlikable uh, this season. Uh, I don't know. Is that is that another mark in the unlikable category for her to slap Michael's face? No, I think it's a likable <laughs> thing, actually. I, I think that it, she tried not to punch him, and he stuck his you know big fat mouth and opened it, and you know that's his own damn fault. <laughs> I think it was completely reasonable. Maybe not completely necessary, but definitely not unnecessary. I don't know, Kevin. That's abuser talk they're talking about. You know, you got you got what you deserved. <laughs> ah, right. well, poor Michael. And, I, and I'm insensitive to suicide people, too, so <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> Brian K. wrote, I enjoyed seeing Michael the jerk for a change instead of Michael the buffoon. His complete insensitivity and self-centeredness is much more interesting than watching him fall into a koi pond or getting yelled at by Pam. I just wish Pam's reaction would have been bigger at the table when he dumped her mom and first tried to pin the blame on Pam. She should have punched him right then and there. Well, so, we kind of talked about that, I guess. Um, you know, Did she realize that he was using that as an excuse? Would she be mad? Should she be mad uh, about that? Um, eh, I don't know. It, it worked for me, I think, the way that it played out. All right, money... I had this to say, the last eight minutes were phenomenal. That's starting at Pam in Michael's office. I have the worst attitude of any person here, onwards. I really, really like the scene in the parking lot and how the writers put it all together. It felt real. I would say that the direction on that scene did seem like you were right in the middle of the action there a little bit more than you might have seen otherwise. So I, I, I agree with that comment. All right, next. All right. Debbie wrote, The B story did nothing for me. I love me some Andy. I do, but I'm so tired of seeing Dwight's need to get Jim fired. It's beyond my concern. He's like a buzzing fly around my face. He's so annoying. His revenge is so unimportant and proves to be a waste of time. Although I would have liked an H&H bagel. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, Are H&H &H bagels a big deal? I, 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 I don't know, but I, I think that Debbie lives in New York, so maybe she can have... A bagel anytime she wants. Um, she, I, you know, I, 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 if this is who I think it is, she is. I, I follow her on Twitter called the TV Blogster. She posts some some comments about the show and other shows 
on her own blog page, and I know that she's been really down on the office for the last few weeks, so we'll see if we can cheer her up and, and, and turn her around this season. All right. I don't know. I, I, I like that B-plot as, as ridiculous and, and silly as it was. Okay, Molly had this to say, all the talk this season seems to be about the new Pam. I think that for the third episode in a row, they portrayed her perfectly, standing up for herself without being too ridiculous and obnoxious. All right, and Inca Salem had a really long post here. Everyone is going to hate on Michael in this episode for jumping Pam's mom. While he does deserve the blame for being impulsive and thoughtless for doing so during lunch on her birthday in front of Jim and Pam rather than in private, his reasons are valid. It's not shallow to break up with someone because your future goals don't line up with theirs. The kid issue alone would be enough justification. Knowing how important it is to have kids is to Michael. Perhaps these are things Michael should have considered before starting to date her, but she did come on to him first, and they've only been together a month. There's nothing wrong with evaluating a relationship after the initial period of passion and discovering it's not what you want. Yeah, and I think that we all agree with that. I think, again, the ma- it's just a matter of, as he admits, or she admits, timing there as far as when to have the breakup speech, perhaps at your girlfriend's birthday party, not the best time to do yep. that, but uh, oh well. All right, and uh, Kevin has picked this as the listener comment of the week. Jason with a Y said, Hey guys, thanks for recording the podcast for this episode in a few days. Now you owe me a favor for thanking you. Well, Jason, you're listening. <laughs> you're listening to your payback right here and right now, so you owe us. <laughs> Oh, man. All right, well, that's about going to do it for us for this week. Join us in about a week or so for episode 83, Murder. Please send any comments or constructive compliments to TWSSpodcast at gmail.com and visit the show blog page at TWSSpodcast.com. On Thursday nights, during and after the show, Eastern Central Time, I will be in there, Kevin, on the Western Pacific time, we will be in the chat room there you can find that link on the web page hit that green button and join other listeners to the show as we discuss what's going on and you can find out what thursday kevin and thursday matt have to say about the episodes uh we you know i, I take no responsibility for for what we say on thursday night but uh <laughs> anyway um uh, please if you have a chance visit iTunes and leave positive feedback if you haven't done so. Uh, positive reviews help people find the show, help us get put to the attention of the iTunes people. So that would be greatly appreciated. It also helps spread the word in any other office-related forums. Every little bit of promotion definitely helps. Music for the episode was provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network. Check it out at music.podshow.com. And uh, speaking of the music, I, I also want to mention, every once in a while I get a, a comment from people asking, you know, oh, what's the theme song? What's the name of your theme song you use? Where can I buy that theme song? Well, uh, that song is called You Want by the band Corporate Whore. Uh, we have a link on, again, on the TWSSpodcast.com blog page that will go to the iTunes Music Store. You can purchase the track uh, I don't know if you can find it anywhere else, if it's at Amazon or any other place, but if you like that, if you like to support those guys, head on over there and uh, spend your 99 cents or whatever it might be. Um, also, don't forget to check out NBC.com slash The Office during the week. 
for additional deleted scenes, episode recaps, interviews, cast blogs, um, stuff like the Ryan photo page, of course, the subtle sexuality stuff, uh, anything at the site. And, uh, well, like I said, it's about going to do it for us this week. For Kevin Crossman, I am Matt Summer, and we're out of here. Oh man, I, I I really hope that doesn't get us into trouble. Those uh, those Apple Core guys are pretty pretty litigious bastards. Yep. Hey, my, uh, did you ever try walking with your butt cheeks clenched together and see if it reduced the pressure on your knee? Uh, did you, you try know, that? I actually didn't. No, I didn't try it yet. Uh, how about you, yourself? You might try it. All right. Well, <laughs> you can if, use if that. Feel free. <laughs> if it works out for you, you, you owe me one. All right. Well, feel free to use that one. <laughs>